Hello, and welcome to the Ionomics Community Podcast. This is recording on August 7th, 2019, and it's a weekly discussion of all things related to Ionomy and the Ion blockchain. My name is Michael D. Pomerantz, at MDP underscore ESQ on Twitter. ESQ refers to my being a former attorney, which means this is a good time to remind you that nothing on this podcast is to be construed as legal or financial advice. For my personal Twitter, where I'm on about music, movies, and lots of other non-crypto stuff, you can get me at M-P-O-M-Y. This is an m On the podcast today, we're going to continue to talk a lot about tokens. Uh, we had an outstanding conversation with Ryan Garrison of the Ionomy team in our last episode. And we're going to revisit some of those topics now that I've had a couple weeks to think about them. So we're going to talk a little bit about the tokens. We're going to talk about the protocol itself. There's a project name that I can now share with you. There's a discussion about token features. I want to get into the use cases in a way that I haven't really thought about it before. And then I'm going to start talking about the, I guess, the competition or other people who are doing token stuff and talk a little bit about ETH uh, after going over the Ionomy tokens. Uh, At the end, and this is the thing where I make a cheap tease to try and get you to listen to the end, but there is some kind of contest or prize thing coming up related to tokens. So please listen to the end and I'll give you the tease on that, tell you what you've got to start doing. And that is what's coming up on the Ionomics Community Podcast. Okay, why uh, we are still talking about tokens. Why are we still talking about tokens? Well, a couple of reasons. I really enjoyed the conversation with Brian Garrison in the last episode. I learned a lot and I have continued to get more information since that podcast. So part of this discussion today is, of course, to get people hyped about the token protocol, which is just about here. Uh, another reason to continue this conversation is after chatting with Garrison for a bit, I have a few more thoughts about use cases. Uh, Obviously, the gaming application is the most obvious, probably the most important, but crypto and, for example, fundraising, it's a very well-established use case. It would work with Ionomy tokens. Um, I have no idea if it's going to happen, but I can easily picture, you know, now that we're in a more mature market, uh, a little alt spring where new projects can use the ION blockchain tokens to fundraise for game development and for other projects. Um, I happened upon a cool story about one of those other projects, and I want to get back to that in a second, but it kind of relates to fundraising. So first, before we do that, let's go back to the conversation with Ryan Garrison and the nature of these tokens. Um, I can break some news or give a little tease or something. I mean, we have a new way that we're publicly talking about token creation uh, utility. 
that Ionomy has made. It's going to be known as ATP, and that stands for Atomic Token Protocol. Uh, it fits with the naming conventions of ion and things that you find in cells and molecules. Uh, I don't know specifically if it refers to atoms, which are a really special asset on the ion blockchain, and maybe part of the naming recalls atoms or makes us think about atoms. I'd like to think that there's a lot of respect going towards atoms with that name. So I don't know if that's part of it, but it's going to be called Atomic Token Protocol, ATP. And that is kind of how I'll make a shorthand reference to it as we go forward. Another thing about the design and functionality of uh, ATP, we've got a developer on our team who has put in a ton of time and energy and creativity uh, into this project. And having this project have a name, having it with its own identity uh, is sort of our way of saying thanks to this developer. This is what we're going to call what you created. I think uh, this guy is actually going to be able to come on the podcast fairly soon. I'm talking about Fornax A, and he's a great developer. He's a great guy. I'm very happy for him that he's having so much success with ATP as it gets ready for release. It's really a stellar achievement. And I guess I should also go back to where Ryan mentioned last episode, Andrew Stone, who's from Bitcoin Cash, and he's also played a role, although maybe unwittingly, at least at first, um, in the creation of ATP. The story that was told to me was basically that, and this is, I'm just repeating what Ryan said earlier, but you know, Stone had prepared a token creation protocol and presented it to BCH, and for some reason it was never adopted. So, you know, here was this well-developed idea, uh, I guess publicly released and available on GitHub, and it had no home. And I don't know the process where Ionomy got involved with Stone's plan or with his work or what he had submitted to GitHub, but uh, it proved to be a really good starting point and maybe even gave a little bit of a head start for what Ionomy wanted to do. Uh, it seems like Fornax and the rest of the development team really leveraged the stone materials as much as they could because what they've built from that starting point is extraordinary. It's not just pure implementation of stone's original protocol. There's been a whole amount of time and effort and creative thought put into making this uh, very much Fornax A and making it very much Ionomy's own project. So I'm going to try and have him on Fornax as soon as possible. We'll get to talk more about tactical stuff when he comes on. Um, Andrew Stone is aware of what Ionomy is doing, and uh, I believe there's been some good communication between the Ionomy team and Stone. Um, I hope that maybe we can have uh, Stone come on and talk to the Ionomy community. And if that's going to happen, we'll give you some advance notice and maybe people can submit questions if they're, if they're interested in participating that way. So let's fast forward to today. And ATP is just about ready for us to raise the curtain, for to start showing it, showing it off. I think the community feed uh, on Twitter has already started to talk about the token utility, maybe in more generic terms, but um, there's been 
nothing in the official channels yet. And this, I will remind you, is not really an official channel, this podcast. But um, there should be some official channel news soon. I don't have a release date, a specific date, but the public community testing is about to get started. I think there was some rebuild within the last day or two, and I think it's going pretty good. I think that within 30 days, I think there's good reason to believe that within 30 days of the date that this podcast is being recorded, that we're actually going to be able to make tokens uh, that will have ATP open for business. Uh, As we said with Garrison in the last episode, these tokens are different. They feature uh, greater autonomy and control. And the headline is that the issuer has no power over the tokens after they're sold. There's no second layer that's being added to the ION chain. These new tokens will exist side by side on the ION blockchain with actual ION and XDM and ATOMS and every other token that gets made using ATP. But, you know, I've been loving these buzzwords, stuff like censorship proof. I mean, it sounds so important. And I think Ryan gave us a really good uh, explanation as to what it means in this context, but I wanted to go a little deeper on that. In other words, I wanted to know why these features are good and why we should use them in the messaging to distinguish ATP tokens. And the answer, or one answer, it actually, I think it comes from the you know, the competition's literature, whether it's their terms of service or whether it's their seeded articles. But when I talk about competition, I'm talking about ERC-20. I'm talking about Waves. Uh, Bitcoin Cash did adopt another protocol for tokens, and I think that's SLP. Um, I mean, the ERC-20 stuff goes back so many years. It's probably obsolete by now, but uh, Ionomy seems to feel pretty strongly that there is an appetite for tokens. And the BCH team seems to feel like pretty much the same. So what distinguishes what Ionomy is doing? One issue that comes up in the promotional material or in the articles, um, but friendly articles about ERC-20 and about SLP. And that's an example of an old token system and also a very new token system. But one thing that comes up is that the buyer is warned, you can't just send your tokens, in the case of ERC-20, you can't just send them to an ETH wallet. Or in the case of SLP tokens, you can't just send it to a BCH wallet. From a custodial standpoint, there's like, I guess, a fussiness with these tokens, and it can result in a loss of tokens. So if you send it to the wrong place, it's just not going to work. And you could lose the asset. You know, this makes sense to me in terms of like if I'm going on an exchange and I want to send my ERC20, whatever type I'm, I have, to an exchange, but to send it back and forth between ETH wallets, you know, private transaction, um, that's worrisome that you could lose the asset so easily. Uh, I am currently trying to find out how ATP measures up on this uh, dimension. Um, And as soon as I get that, I mean, it's my belief that this problem has been solved, that there is not this same kind of risk of loss. Uh, But I'm waiting to get details on that and we'll share them as soon as I have them. Uh, Another term, or I guess pair of terms that's applicable to the Ionomy tokens, although again, I wanna go a little further in my understanding of it is 
what is permissionless and what is censorship proof. The shorthand way that I would talk about it now is that if you're permissionless, that means that you can be transacted anywhere by anyone without the need for any third party in intervention or involvement. Um, and censorship proof means that the token can't be altered in any way by the user or creator once it's out in the world. Since transactions do not involve third parties, they can't be prohibited and the tokens can't be taken away. Only the owner has access to the private key. So the issuer and creator is unable to approve or prohibit any subsequent transactions. And Ryan explained that these features are vital and we, I mean, think about it. We live in an era where we are so dependent on platform operators who could drop us like a hot potato for any reason they like or for no reason whatsoever. I mean, have you considered what would happen if your Gmail account, you just woke up and it didn't work anymore? All your email, all your calendar, your tasks, your Chrome passwords, your documents, your chats, just completely gone. I mean, do you have a plan for that possibility? And I only bring this up because it's an illustration of why having something be censorship proof, immutable, permissionless, having those features for tokens makes so much sense because that means you can't be deplatformed. All right, so I've touched on some of the facts about what's going on with ATP and why it's a better option than other token protocols out there. The real question is, why does anybody want to make tokens at all? Why does anybody even want to do this? Well, I think there's more reasons. Uh, use cases is a phrase that I just can't stand anymore, but I think there's more use cases than I had originally thought. And I want to talk about them for just a few minutes. Uh, let's start at the beginning. I mean, it, take this thing out of any use case. It's just fun. One team member described it as a tattoo on the internet, which I thought was a pretty vivid description. I mean, I, I can't claim that expression as my own, but I, I kind of do agree with it. Um, if you're crypto savvy or if you're like me working on becoming savvy, it's just fun and interesting to be able to do the thing yourself that gives rise to this whole movement um, and this whole giant you know, pro-crypto community that we exist in. You could do it so easily. It just becomes a question of what do you, how, how do you want to express yourself? Um, your family crest or some other little piece of your personality or your originality. Um, and you can send it to anyone, anywhere, anytime. I don't know what they'll do with it, but still, you have that ability. All right, moving from the absurd to the more practical with what I believe is the actual reason the Ionomy team was pursuing this idea in the first place, even before Andrew Stone's starting point was considered, uh, is games. And this is all territory I've covered before, but I want to continue to discuss games and gaming briefly within the context of ATP tokens. Uh, in episode four of this podcast, I talked about getting some game developers involved in the Ionomy ecosystem because it could promote their... Uh, game getting discovered. And Ionomy has a nice little community of people who are super enthusiastic about gaming. And another reason for developers to get involved is that you can keep people playing after the discovery period. They like the possibility of winning real money if they succeed on a leaderboard or in a tournament. 
With ATP, the focus and the specificity uh, becomes more, I mean, with ATP, we take a more specific look at a big portion of that functionality. I mean, think about your favorite game. Like, I like racing games, so I want to use that as an example. My main concern with the racing games is to improve my vehicles and get additional vehicles and optimize them as well. And the more races I win, the more uh, rewards I get and the greater my opportunity to expand my collection of vehicles and to optimize all of them. Um, some improvements can be paid for with your normal garden variety in-game currency. Uh, and some require currency that's harder to get. Uh, it's like a premium currency. It's more valuable. Um, sometimes these are gems in adventure games. Uh, some games use the improvement or the modification, going back to like a car game, um, you could have a specific engine modification which is represented by a card. That card itself is now a type of in-game currency. And I bring up the card because if you get the same card over and over again, you may not be able to use it more than once. And the question is, if you don't have a place to equip this power-up or this feature or this improvement, what do you do with it? I mean, I, I played one game where you could just, there was a fixed rate. You could just turn it in and you would get, you know, whatever they decide you get. And it's minimal. It doesn't really change your fortunes in the game. But what, and, and in some games you get, you know, you don't get to do anything. I mean, it's too bad. You can't use it, too bad. You got it. And you can just accumulate countless number of these useless assets. But what if you could take that asset to the market and get some other form of in-game value from someone who's in a different situation but playing the same game? In other words, if you're trying to maximize the benefit for where you are, then it's elementary that you're going to be better off if you can get higher value rather than nothing or the pittance that was offered in this one game that did you know, provide you with a buyback for something that you didn't need. Well, you can only get that higher value on an exchange where there is someone else in a different position who nevertheless needs the same benefit that you have and can make better use of it than you. I mean, this is basic economic theory that even I can understand. And if your goal is to be successful in the game, then having tokens that are circulating in a free marketplace that is actually going to bring you closer to that goal. Now, having the exchange available for every new token doesn't mean it's required. And by the way, Ionomy, I think, is going to maintain final say on what goes on the exchange. Even if the token was created on the Ionomy blockchain or on the Ion blockchain, um, but take this hypothetical. Let's say there's a bad actor, an adversary out there who's using ATP to create tokens that are going to be used in some fraudulent scheme. And if Ionomy knows about that fact, then those tokens don't need to be accepted on the exchange. They may be stuck because once they're made, they're immutable. They're not going anywhere. So they, you, no one can pull them out of existence. But at least in terms of the Ionomy exchange, there is a reservation of rights to keep certain bad actors off the exchange. And that's in the interest of the community. So if you're using 
the tokens for gaming purposes. Put the exchange out of your mind for a minute. Think about the token features. Extremely portable. And that extreme portability puts the developer in an interesting position because the developer can use the same asset in multiple titles. And this opens up a world of possibilities, especially when you're talking about adding tokens to existing games. Think about sequels, reboots, spinoffs. It can all increase adoption from generation to generation by allowing the assets to carry over. And that means when you get the new game, if, you're, if you've been playing the original and now you're playing the spinoff, you are rewarded for being a loyal player and you can use your assets. Because if you come to the end of a game and you've got all these assets accumulated, what can you do with them? So one thing I talk about in connection with the tokens being used for games, and I'm sure smarter people than me can figure out other use cases. But what Ionomy has learned is that when real money is involved, when real money is involved, people are more engaged. So whether you're just doing a simple tournament that pays out Ion, or whether you're building a multifaceted in-game economy using several different kinds of tokens which are on the exchange, then that means gamers can cash out. You get to the end of the game, you could hold it to the sequel, or you can cash out for ION or for BTC for real money. And that's something that could be revolutionary for the level of engagement. Think about the level of engagement in gambling where it's all real money. We're talking about bringing the same level of engagement, but not with a game of pure random chance. With a game of skill. I mean, people are competing in video games at the highest levels, and now they can compete at any level thanks to the crypto implementation that we see with this token system. Let's talk about some other use cases more briefly because I think the gaming issue is the main one. But I want to at least mention two more things, two functions where crypto, generally speaking, has already established a pretty strong track record. The first one is fundraising. And I'm pretty sure that the fundraising aspect of GameGrid uh, does not require you to go make tokens. But if a developer did create tokens, these could be distributed in advance to help fund development and give buyers or contributors a sense of belonging to the project. This is basically like the Kickstarter model. And GameGrid has a fully functional utility for this in connection with ION. But... I don't think there's anything to stop a developer from minting his or her own tokens and then using ATP and then uh, engaging in their own funding effort. So in other words, you can make the tokens and do it yourself, or you can not make the tokens and use GameGrid. And I'm sure you can both make the tokens and use GameGrid. But think about the millions that were raised in connection with the crypto bubble. December 2017. I mean, for better, and I guess for worse, uh, we know crypto works well to raise money. And this makes me um, 
think of a weird, cool, out of the box funding thing that I saw. It's not crypto related, but it should, it probably should be. And I think it could easily be implemented. Uh, this is an area where I think I could personally figure out a beneficial use for ATP. Uh, I love racing cars and, uh, uh, you know, high-end automotive technology, and I love it from every era. So classic cars, new cars, hyper cars, uh, concept cars. I was leafing through uh, an issue of Top Gear magazine or some other magazine, and I saw an ad offering shares of, I believe it was a uh, Ferrari 275 GTB4 from the late 60s. Um, now, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, but with an asset like that, I can tell you. And this this is investment advice. This is investment advice. The value of that car is not going down. So why shouldn't those shares, if someone is selling shares in this antique, you know, incredibly valuable asset, why shouldn't those shares be tokens? They could be freely tradable and transparent and portable and all the things we know that blockchain tokens could be. And this could work with a lot of assets that are unique and have extraordinary value. Um, and it's, it's pretty much ready to go once ATP is functional. Uh, I personally really like the idea of owning a percentage share of a late 50s Ferrari 12-cylinder monster. Um, okay, I think I have one more thing on tokens, but it's another use case, and it's verification. And without getting into the whole thing of just like the basics of how cryptocurrency works um, and how consensus and decentralized authority works, um, basically, the model of cryptocurrency incorporates, um, has built in a system where the network knows what transactions are real and which ones are bogus. Uh, without this functionality, I mean, you couldn't even have cryptocurrency. There'd be nothing for the blockchain to do. It's about verification, the concept of knowing what's real. And this is why you see use cases for record keeping, medical records. I've seen it for produce and crops, um, supermarket inventory, and it could even work for intellectual property. The idea of provability, I mean, it's pretty rare these days. And the token system that Ionomy has developed, ATP, it can give you that without you even having to build your own blockchain. We want information. 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 I want to talk just for a little while about Ethereum. Uh, and I guess I'm going to dump on the project a bit, and I'm sorry about that if there are Ethereum fans out there. Also, I shouldn't be doing this because I think the exchange is about to add support for Ethereum and also a bunch of ERC-20 tokens. Uh, so, you know, one of my main jobs when I'm not doing podcasts is to like work on promoting greater usage of the platform. And by saying bad things about Ethereum, maybe that's not doing my job. But the point is this. I mean, to a great extent, the idea of the ERC-20 
is sort of the pre-existing token idea that people have. And the ERC-20 token, it's the Ethereum request for comment number 20. So it's kind of like the IIPs for uh, Ionomy. But the proposal date goes all the way back to 2015. That's ancient history. And this is the technical standard by which tokens are issued and used in the Ethereum ecosystem. And the concept is pretty good. Uh, make a decentralized application and require your ERC-20 to operate or interact with that application. Um, what I have read is that it was almost too easy to make these tokens because you could just cut and paste code from another project. And all the information, of course, is readily available on GitHub. And I saw one article that mentioned only 544 out of nearly 200,000 ERC tokens have avoided becoming illiquid. That means three-tenths of 1% have a value over zero. I mean, it seems like maybe it was a good idea at the wrong time. I mean, maybe Vitalik, who, you know, he's he's great, he's colorful, he's he's a credit to the crypto community, and I, I hope he's around for years to come. But, you know, the token explosion that coincided with the bubble in December 27, it didn't hold up because, I mean, there's no, there's no dApps. If you look, if you do a search for what are the most popular dApps, you get a bunch of stuff you've never heard of. I don't know, maybe the ERC-20 and its progeny, it's like, it was too much too soon. I mean, technology is better now and crypto markets are more mature. So you don't have the same number of scammers cutting and pasting code and then sending out, you know, tokens to make money for something they're never going to deliver on. But those scams, um, the stink that comes with the DAO hack, uh, the inability to overtake BTC, which is like, if you look at old articles, that's what people thought was going to happen. They thought, oh, this BTC thing is going to fall by the wayside. It's all ether, all ether all the time. And it just, it never happened. And now Vitalik is like, I I guess he's not as much a part of the project anymore. And there's all kinds of new stuff coming up. And I, I don't know. You just, it seems like there's a lack of interest in Ethereum and it's just, it's palpable and it seems like there's no getting away from it. So sorry about singing the Ethereum blues, but it, it is not what's happening now. I will not make any deals with you. I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Okay. Uh, it is getting late. I want to wrap this up. But I did mention that there's some kind of upcoming promotion or contest. And I believe what you need to do is start coming up with the description for your ideal token, your ideal shitcoin, your best hustle. I mean, mine may be related to the classic car thing. I think there might be some kind of prize. I'm not exactly sure what it will be, but maybe it will involve XDM. So you could maybe build your dream token for whatever it is, your your unicorn coin, um, your 
you know, public restroom coin. Think of something outrageous. Think of something amazing. Think of something that nobody's thought of, and maybe you will win a prize. Uh, once we have more details on that, I'll be sure to share it in less um, opaque fashion. All right, we're also going to keep the token conversation going with a visit from Fornax A himself as soon as his schedule allows. Uh, we'll have Ryan back. Maybe we'll even have Andrew Stone. I'm going to continue to try and educate myself about the various other token creation platforms out there. Uh, and maybe I'll throw a bit more shade uh, to convince you that ATP is the best. As always, thanks so much for listening. Here is the disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast constitutes professional, legal, or financial advice. Crypto markets can be extremely volatile and everyone is strongly urged to do their own research or consult with the appropriate financial professional or do both. Also, this podcast is independent, but it's not unbiased. I'm a member of the Ionomy team and I've been given some time and resources to do this project on my own. And that's why it's an Mpami production and you don't find it on any Ionomy.com pages. So am I shilling for Ionomy? Yes, of course. But that's not all we talk about or do here. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Ionomics Community Podcast.